Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. My name is Jason, and I'm one of the ministers here at the Madison Church of Christ. It's our hope and prayer that the teaching from God's Word you hear today will bless your life and draw you closer to Him. If you're ever in the Madison, Alabama area, we'd love for you to worship with us on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.30 a.m. If you have any other questions about the Bible or want to know more about the Madison Church, find us at madisonchurch.org. Be sure to also check out our Bible study podcast, Madison Church of Christ Bible Studies. Thanks again for stopping by. Paul said in Philippians 2, as we've been reminded earlier, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interest of others. Some of the most challenging words in all of Scripture, I think. Imagine with me that we announced uh, this morning that, that next week uh, that we would have a foot washing service, that, that we would pick some people at random and, and uh, we'd call you to the front and have our, uh, some of our ministers and, and shepherds wash your feet. And so we'd pick some from, from this side of the auditorium, some from the middle, some from this side, even in the balcony we'd pick a few and, and, and we'd have you come down and, and do that uh, next Sunday. What do you think? Well, first of all, we got one on board. Uh, first of all, uh, I, I, I know that uh, some of you won't be here next week. Um, and, and there's some reasons for behind that. You would, some of you would feel uncomfortable with the foot washing service. Foot washing is something that happened a long time ago. There's not, not something that we do right now or do now. And so, so we'd be uncomfortable with that. Others of you uh, would be scared that you would be chosen at random. And so you would not be here. Uh, the, but suppose we did have that. And suppose you, uh, you decided you were going to come next Sunday. What would you do before worship? You'd wash your feet, wouldn't you? You would. You'd wash it with the fruitiest, bespelling soap that you have. You'd probably put deodorant on them. Uh, I don't know what you would do, but we would do something to make sure, or most of us would do something to make sure that our feet were as clean and as good smelling as possible because the idea of somebody being that up close and personal with our feet is just terrifying for us. But here's the thing, washing our feet before a foot washing service really defeats the point of foot washing. You know, there... You know, we think about why they did this back then. There actually was a reason for that. Scholars uh, came together and they agree it's because their feet were dirty. Um, there was a practical purpose behind it. You know, when, when somebody was invited to somebody's house for a meal... On the way there, they would stop by one of the public bathing places. They would take a bath. And then on the way to that person's house, their feet and their sandals would be filthy. They would be on these dusty, muddy roads. And and so their feet would arrive to the house filthy. And so it was customary for the, the host of that fancy mill to have a slave there as, they, as the guests came in to wash their feet. Because they can't do what we can do and put our uh, stinky feet close and under the table so nobody can smell them. No, that's not how they are able to sit. Uh, At their tables, uh, it was lower to the ground and people would sit on pillows or recline on throws or on on a long couch. And so their feet 
were very close and personal with somebody's head. And so there was a practical purpose behind that foot washing. So we can't really identify with that, though, can we? Uh, well, it's not something that we do uh, in, in 2023. And so uh, let's, let's try this. Imagine with me that instead of foot washing, we announce uh, that the shepherds over the next couple weeks are going to come to random houses and that they are going uh, to uh, show up. They'll ring your doorbell. You answer the door and they're there. A couple of them are holding buckets with rags and uh, some cleaning supplies and some scrub brushes. And they are there to clean your bathrooms. Uh, you know, that's a job nobody wants. I know some of you are going to come up to me afterward and tell me, well, Jordan, I just love to clean bathrooms. You don't know what it's like. You're right. <laughs> I don't. Uh, and, but do you? Do you really? Um, you know, anyway, uh, what would you think if that were going to happen? Uh, there'd be a few responses, I think. First would be from the shepherd's wives. They would think, well, why can't they start at home? Uh, the, the second would be uh, from, from a few of you at least that say, well, those bathrooms haven't been cleaned in months and somebody's got to do it. And so why not let them do it? But the rest of us um, would be mortified, wouldn't we? Uh, the idea of, of someone coming uh, that up close and personal with our toilet, our shower, our sinks, it, it would be terrifying for us. And so if that were going to happen, we would go home and immediately deep clean our bathrooms and then we still would have an issue with probably letting somebody come and clean them afterwards. You know, there, there isn't much modern day significance to washing feet, but there is a spiritual significance to being a servant and living a life of service. And this morning, that's what I'd like to, to talk about. This question of why do we serve? You know, we live in a culture that, that really does a, a really good job of serving others. It's ingrained in, in, in a lot of people today. Uh, in fact, statistics back that up. Uh, surveys show that over the last couple of years, uh, over, over 124 million people, ages 16 and up, served their neighbor in, in some form or fashion. In that same survey, uh, over 60 million people said they formally volunteered with an organization. Our, our, our country, our, our, our culture really believes in, in serving others and in reading things about this and, and trying to understand more of why. I kept coming back to, to this thing. It's a really fancy word called moralistic therapeutic deism. Moralistic therapeutic deism. Stay with me. I know it's a big word, but, but it, I feel it's, it's kind of ingrained in our culture a little bit. Moralistic therapeutic deism believes that God exists, that created and ordered the world and watches over human life on earth. And God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. Uh, the central goal of life, according to this, is to be happy and feel good about oneself. And God does not need uh, to be particularly involved in one's life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. And then good people go to heaven when they die. You see, this idea, it really seems like it has some validity in our culture today. The kind of responses found in these surveys 
really show an emptiness at the heart of their understanding of God and the ways of God. It's about providing therapeutic benefits rather than spiritual. That, that is, we want to be moral people who, who do good and, and it makes us feel good. It helps us feel happy even. It's not about God being involved in our lives per se. Say it's just being a good person. As we dive into John chapter 13, that's where we'll be today. As we dive into John chapter 13, I want you to think and, and ask yourself this question. Why do I serve? Why do you serve? So John chapter 13, we're going to begin with verse 1 in just a second, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. This scene we have here in John chapter 13 is, is the disciples and Jesus in the upper room. And, and all four Gospels uh, record this time together in different bits and pieces. John, though, has the most information about it. And John actually is the only Gospel that records this foot washing scene. So let's begin in, in verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the, the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. You see, verse 1 here, uh, it begins this, this whole passage with the idea of love. It, it truly sets the tone of, of everything that's going to, to happen. You know, Jesus spent his, his earthly ministry loving people, and he's going to spend the last few moments on this earth loving those that he was closest to. He was going to truly uh, try to show them, uh, as 1 Corinthians calls it, a more excellent way. Of love. Verse 2 The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already pro uh, prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Notice that the meal was in progress, that, that this, this thing that Jesus is going to do here, it was deliberate. It wasn't as the people came in, it was, it was he got up deliberately to do this. And, and also notice that uh, verse 2 gives credit to the devil for the betrayal of Jesus. This act was not conceived in the mind of, of Judas, but in the mind of Satan, who put it in the heart of Judas. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God, and he was returning to God. So he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And Jesus removes his outer garments to, to serve them. In that culture, it, it would have been in, in great humility to do something like that, even to the point of, of maybe even embarrassing. Have you, have you ever gotten secondhand embarrassment? You know, somebody is doing something and, and, and you're like, well, that's embarrassing. I feel it myself. Well, that maybe even would have been felt by these disciples because that's how low he was making himself in, in doing that. Uh, the, the verse also gives us great insight into why Jesus could humble himself so much. He knew who he was and, and where he was going. He didn't have to pretend. He, he didn't have to put on a show or tr try to convince somebody else of who he, he was. He knew he had value and he was from heaven. He knew he would die and return back to heaven. That's why he could do this task. It's actually said that, that rabbis in ancient Judaism were, were the most humble people. They would do anything for anyone. 
except give up their place at the table. And Jesus, he goes far, far beyond that. Luke in his gospel uh, gives us some insight into the things that were happening around this time in the room. Uh, he, Luke show, shows us that a dispute arose among the disciples, and they were debating which one of them was the greatest. Uh, it, if you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it seems that this would have happened right before this scene in, in the upper room. And, and if, if you're like me, I can just imagine me and my brother doing this. You know, having disputing, let's call it what it was, probably arguing, or what it would have been for me, uh, arguing who's the most important. And, and, you know, trying to decide who's going to sit at the right and left of Jesus. So following that, you can imagine how powerful it would have been for Jesus to get up, take off his outer garment, wrap a towel around him, and do what... Ne- no one else wanted to do. It was considered at that time the most menial task a servant could do. In fact, uh, it's said you know Jewish slaves could do a lot of things. They they could work in the fields. They could uh, cook. They could clean. Uh, they could carry stuff. Uh, there was a lot of things that Jewish slaves could do. One that they could not do was wash feet. That was actually left for the Gentile slaves. And even then, it was, uh, it was something that the newest slaves had to do. The lowest on the totem pole, they had to do that. Or even if, maybe if they were being punished, they're the ones that got to wash feet. In that room, Jesus had a group of men that were really concerned about their place at the table. It was certainly beneath their place to wash feet. All of them needed their feet washed. None of them were willing to get up, put on a towel, and do it. I wonder if Jesus had had asked them to wash his feet. Don't you think they would have jumped at that opportunity? But to, to wash the other men there, wash the other feet, that would be to admit that you're the least not the greatest. Jesus gets up, wraps a towel around himself, takes that water and basin, and begins to wash feet. And it seems they sit in silence. Don't you know they were shocked? Verse 6, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, do you, do, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. The, their whole body was, is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and and that was why he said, not every one of you was clean. Notice in verse 6, Peter, true to his nature, has got to say something, doesn't he? He he speaks up and and says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus tells him, look, you don't understand what, what I'm doing here, but one day you will. Peter, more persistent, no, you'll never wash my feet. 
Jesus, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. (laughs) And Peter never does anything halfway, does he? (laughs) Lord, then wash my head and my hands too. You see, Jesus here meant so much more than than washing feet. Maybe that Peter uh, couldn't eat a meal with Jesus if he didn't have his feet washed, but but Jesus was going far beyond uh, this, uh, this washing of feet. A literal foot washing is not necessary before you can be a Christian, but you must be washed free from sin, and that cleansing can only come from Christ. See, that's when Jesus turns this physical cleanness discussion into a spiritual cleanness discussion. This whole scene of Jesus washing the disciples' feet is really foreshadowing what, would have ha- what, what happened about 24 hours later. Jesus humbly, voluntarily gave of himself on the cross. He cleansed us, not by washing dirty feet or them by washing dirty feet like he did that night. He cleansed us by doing what was necessary to wash us clean from our sins. And even with that going on, Jesus knew that there was someone there in their midst with a pretty dirty, dirty heart. He knew that Judas was going to betray him. Would you have washed Judas' feet? I would have. You know, grill brushes. <laughs> I'd gotten, gotten it good. Uh, but I can only imagine how softly and tenderly Jesus washed the feet of his betrayer. Verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is uh, what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I say to you, No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. You see, after Jesus sits back down, he challenges these men to serve serve each other in the same manner that he served them. If Jesus the Messiah didn't think it was below himself to stoop down and wash their feet, they, they certainly as his followers, his closest friends, couldn't think it was below them. He said in verse 15, I set an example that you should do as I have done for you. And I think verse 17 really ties in well with this because it's not enough to just hear what should be done or understand what needs to be done or even approve of what must be done. we got to do what must be done, what needs to be done. We are to live out this foot-washing way of life. And finally, this scene, we're going to skip down to verse 34. It, it, it wraps up with this idea of love. Jesus ties such a bow on it here. And he says, As I have loved you, you must love one another. 
See, he begin, this passage begins with love, and I think it's no coincidence that it ends in love. Jesus' service in foot washing and at the cross was completely wrapped in love. So what can we learn from this? That we need to have uh, foot washing services and, and have that next Sunday? <laughs> not really. Uh, you know, it would be doing something that's not really needed today. But maybe the idea of, of being willing to do something that is needed, no matter how low it makes us, is the purpose behind this. We've got to be careful what we're too good to do. Jesus didn't have that problem. He knew who he was. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, he knew he was sent from God and he would die and return back to the Father. He had no problem bending to wash feet, to be with a child, to be with the sick, even those with leprosy, to be with those that are demon-possessed. He was with so many that normal people didn't want to be with. He was, the, he was the son of God in John chapter 12 when he came in that triumphant entry and people are shouting Hosanna to him. He's every bit of the same son of God in John chapter 13 when he's washing dirty feet. And we need to be confident in who we are. I must realize that I'm a child of the king when I'm, I'm up here preaching to you today and I'm every bit of the same child of the king when I'm taking out trash from a youth event to the dumpster. What do you do to serve others? Let me ask that again. What do you do to serve others? Not what should you do, but what do you do? Are there jobs that you feel like are on your level and jobs that aren't? Are there jobs that you're just hoping someone else will do that? When I, when I think of uh, great servants in my life, uh, there are quite a few people that come to mind. And I want to tell you about one of them. His name is Larry. Larry Hancock. Larry uh, grew up in the church uh, in, in Mobile and and uh, Larry, though he quickly fell away as he became, as he became an adult, he stayed away from, from God for a long time, actually into his, into his later 60s. And, and, uh, and because of a loving mother that simply needed a ride to church. And he did it as a good son. He took his mother, Miss Vivian, to church and took her to church. And he began to listen, and eventually Larry was restored. And when he, when he was restored back to God, he, he said this. He said, I got a lot of time to make up for. And he did that. You know, Larry did very well for himself financially and, and, and all. But it, for Larry, it wasn't about a title. It wasn't about being a, having the title deacon or shepherd or, or even being on a committee of of, uh, you know, that made big decisions in the church. You know, he was excited to wash dishes. He was excited to take out the trash. You know, he was the guy that loved to go and take communion to shut-ins and to go visit uh, the, the guests that had been there or visit members who just needed to be with somebody. 
He, he began a ministry to help, uh, help older people that, uh, that couldn't help themselves and, and build things for them and take care of them in, in ways that, that, uh, that, that they couldn't help themselves. See, Larry, Larry, for him, there was no job that was beneath him, and that really stood out to me. I want to be more like Larry. Larry was a servant. There's def- definitely a, a difference in choosing to, to serve and, and being a servant. When we choose to be a servant, we give up control. It's not about when and how and, and what ways we will serve. It, it's, you know, it's not about weighing the pros and the cons or, or, or writing out uh, that list of, of should I choose to do this or not. It's simply seeing a need and meeting a need. Being a servant. With that comes vulnerability. It makes us vulnerable, and that's scary. And that vulnerability is real, but I need to share with you two truths and a lie about that. Truth number one is that that you can give of yourself as a servant, and you can do the best job that you possibly can do, and, and you can do a great job at that. But one day in doing all that and serving God and serving others, somebody's going to hurt you. And, and that's real. You know, people are imperfect and, and that's, that's going to happen. Truth number two is that you can be the greatest servant you possibly could be. Give of yourself and, and, and do everything you can for other people and you're going to hurt somebody else. Again, people are imperfect, and and you're going to find a way, unfortunately, to hurt people. It's going to happen. But here's the lie. Satan will tell you that it's not worth it. Satan will tell you that that you should give up, that, 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 that serving and getting hurt is for somebody else. Jesus offers a different way. Keep washing feet. See, there's only one position in the kingdom, and that's a servant. Preachers are servants. Deacons, servants. Shepherds are servants. The best Bible class teacher is a servant. The one that's been a Christian for 50 years or five days is a servant. The richest member, the poorest member, the smartest member in the kingdom is a servant. It's not about your place in in a pecking order because there are no places in the pecking order. Everybody is on the same level as a servant. If we're a servant rather than just choosing to serve, it'll change our relationships. It'll, It'll change our marriages. It'll change our jobs, our church, our community. It'll make them all better. Humbling ourselves and being a servant changes everything. But also, I want you to think of this, that we got to be willing to accept help from others. Being too proud to accept help may be as big a problem as being too proud to give help. It was Peter's pride that could not let Jesus wash him. It's hard to accept help from others, isn't it? Our pride tells us we need to do it alone. Uh, no help from anyone at any point at any time because I can do it. 
when we refuse help, our pride robs uh, other Christians of the joy of being a servant. We need to get over our pride. Tell people what we're struggling with. Let them pray for us. Let them help us. We need to wash the feet of, in a figurative sense of those who, who need washing and at the same time be willing to let others wash our feet when our feet need washing. In my life, sometimes I'm the one that's doing the washing and sometimes I'm the one whose feet needs washing. My pride gets in the way of both of those. You know, washing feet's not the most humble thing that Jesus ever did. Philippians 2, beginning with verse 5, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, Though he was in the form of God, did not, not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. As we just sang earlier, at the cross, love ran red. If we're going to take on the identity of a servant like Jesus, we're, we must be willing to give up our rights. The rights are our own life. And, and say as Paul did in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Perhaps today we can make the decision to be more like the servant that Jesus was. To be willing to put on that towel of, of humility, to serve others in ways they need, at the same time battle that pride that we have and let others help us. Sometimes we need our feet washed. Sometimes we need to do the washing. You know, at Madison, we're really blessed. We're really blessed with incredible servants here that, that truly have incredible, incredible. I know I'm using the incredible word a lot, but really that describes you. Incredible talents. God has blessed us here. And, and what's cool about serving here is you don't have to do it by yourself. And I think if we were to rate our church as a whole, as a church that, that serves on a scale of 1 to 10, I think we'd rate ourselves pretty high. But let's look at ourselves in the mirror. What about you? On a scale of 1 to 10, where are you on that scale? How would you grade yourself? What are areas that you're being called to serve in? What are needs that need to be met? Are there opportunities that you're pushing away? You see, we need to be people who live with eyes wide open, searching for ways to serve others. Jesus was very active in this. He wasn't passive. He saw a need and met it. We need to do the same. Choosing to take the identity of a servant. You know, there's some great health benefits that come with that. There are. You know, we can, it, it's going to make us happier. You know, there, uh, statistics actually show this, that uh, volunteers have a 29% lower risk of high blood pressure when they serve. 
uh, 17% lower risk of inflammation levels, and spend 38% fewer nights in the hospital. That's pretty big. Uh, there's, there's no question that there's some physical and emotional benefits from serving others. But here's the thing. There's so much more significance to it than acting right and feeling good about yourself or looking good. There is spiritual significance to serving others. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. You want to know Jesus? You want to be like Jesus? What we got to do is, one of my favorite verses is 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. It says to walk the same way that he, Jesus, walked. We got to be like Jesus. We got to serve others. Jesus was a servant. Serving connects us to our Savior. We take on the form of Jesus. And our servant identity, like his, should be rooted in love. Love for God, love for others, continually pointing others to our Savior. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This morning... Maybe you need to be washed like Peter, like Jesus talked about with him, that maybe you need to be cleaned. We can do that in the waters of baptism. You know, that cleansing comes from Christ and the blood that was shed from him, and we could do that this morning. But maybe you need your feet washed. Maybe you need some help. Maybe you need some prayers, and we want to do that with you. Or maybe you're looking for a way to jump in. Give up control and say, I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to be a servant. We want to help you do that. And we want, we want you to join in with this family. There's a lot of great things going on here. And we want you to be a part of it. There are going to be shepherds at each of these entrances, exits. And, and if we can help you in any way, you can come down here. And we'll pray for you and be there with you and wash your feet and you help us wash others. Whatever we can do for you, uh, let's stand and sing.